The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Uh, let's take a little listen to the tarnished Michal Martin. So he was on News Talk Breakfast this morning talking about uh, the evacuation plans, the plans to get Irish citizens out of Sudan. Take a listen. It is something, though. It's an issue that, without question, needs a very serious reflection. Okay. And I have, I have publicly said, Shane, that I believe it needs to be changed. Why? Because we now have, as part of the permanent members of the United Nations Security Council, particularly Russia, for example, who are unlikely now to approve peacekeeping missions. So are we essentially saying that Russia should have a veto um, on Ireland participating in peacekeeping missions? So he's talking about triple lock uh, uh, there. Uh, one of the locks uh, being uh, the UN Security Council needing to approve uh, the deployment of Irish troops overseas. And Michal Martin making the argument, not the only one to have made it, that uh, Vladimir Putin and the Russians would have a say on Irish deployment overseas. Jared Crockwell is an independent senator. Jared, should we get rid of triple lock? Uh, yeah, I see no purpose in the triple uh, triple lock. Uh, we survived for 80-odd years of our country's independence without a triple lock. The triple lock was brought in in the early 2000s, uh, I suppose, to get over a few political problems at the time. Um, it, it, it's ironic, really, that um, states like uh, Russia, like the former uh, colonist, the UK, like the United States, can have a veto over what we as a sovereign state want to do. So I think the time for the triple lock is well and truly gone. Uh, Richard Boy Barrett, People for Profit TD, should we abandon the triple lock? No, we should reform the United Nations, uh, for sure. Uh, And it is completely wrong that five of the biggest military powers in the world uh, who have a pretty awful record, all of them, and I want to emphasise all of them, uh, whether it's the United States, Britain, Russia, China, France, they all have rotten records all over the world. Uh, so the idea they dominate the UN is absolutely wrong. But isn't it interesting that it's only now that the Irish government have decided there's a problem? Uh, when the United States vetoes uh, resolutions that would sanction Israel, for example, over illegal occupation of Palestinian territory... Not a word said. Uh, when the Americans sell masses of weapons to the Saudi dictatorship, silence. But when somebody that the United States and the European Union are in a conflict with, namely Vladimir Putin, and he is a rotten warmonger, no question about it, suddenly they've found a moral conscience. Suddenly we have to reform everything. And what's the subtext? The subtext, of course, is the Irish government have always wanted to dismantle Irish neutrality. They let millions of US troops through Shannon to prosecute the war in Iraq. Uh, But now they see an opportunity because they can point the finger solely at Russia. And of course, Russia is to blame for what's happening in Ukraine and say, now's the reason we need to align with NATO. Now's the reason we need to review our neutrality. Mm. Uh, But never any questions about what the US or the UK or France do. Never questions there, but but big questions about uh, Russia. Uh, Jared, Michal Martin did suggest as well this morning that as a kind of a humanitarian mission, triple lock wouldn't apply. So, I mean, that would add fuel to Richard's fire, wouldn't it? That there's no reason to be talking about it here. And the reason we are is because the government want rid of triple lock. Well, uh, he did indeed, and he's 100% correct in the humanitarian situation. We can uh, send as many troops as we want. Um, so there's not a problem there. Look, there's a couple of things getting mixed up in all of this uh, conversation. Neutrality. 
we, we've just heard Richard speaking on neutrality. Ireland has a position or a policy of neutrality which is founded on nothing, absolutely zero. I wonder if Richard would care, care to tell us what being neutral actually I means. How, do we, how okay. do we underpin our neutrality? How do our, uh, our friendly countries underpin okay. the neutrality I thought, they have. I thought AI was going to make me redundant. Jared's asking yeah. the questions now. So what, 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 what's the uh, <laughs> yeah, definition? The, the, the first promoters of neutrality, and it's their version of neutrality I subscribe to, were Wolf Tone, uh, the United Irishman, and then James Connolly and Porrick Pierce. Uh, in other words, the people who fought for Irish freedom identified neutrality as a key component of us developing independence from empires. Uh, and they were very clear that if, if independence from empires was going to be meaningful, we did not line up with big military powers and empires uh, in the ge- bigger geopolitical picture. And of course, they, uh, the, in the case of uh, Pierce and Connolly setting up the Irish Neutrality League in, in 1914, the reason they did it was because the big empires had sent millions of people, including hundreds of thousands of Irish people, out to slaughter each other in a brutal and senseless war. You haven't really answered so what that neutrality is. So, is. Uh, it, it's exactly what they said it is. It means being having an independent foreign policy and not getting into arrangements with big and, and aggressive military powers, such as NATO. We obviously wouldn't get into a military alliance with Putin, self-evidently, nor should we be in a military alliance with the people who war- waged the war in Iraq. And we're not, in, we're not in the non-aligned alliance either, which is rather strange if you think about it. But being neutral requires serious armament of the country. And we have never, ever, ever been neutral. And if you go back to the Second World War, we allowed the Allies to slip back across the border when they landed in the Republic. We allowed the weather forecast to be uh, provided for D-Day. We allowed safe flight paths over Donegal. Uh, you know, I mean, we talk about neutrality all of the time, Richard, but we're not really willing to put into but it Jared, what's required. Gerard, the fact that successive Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael governments sabotaged and undermined neutrality is not a reason for us to abandon it because the people of this country in their majority, every time they've been asked have said that that they believe we should maintain neutrality and I agree with them. You're absolutely right. If what you're saying is successive Irish governments have sabotaged neutrality 100% 100% they have, and that's why we should restore it, not the reason why we should abandon it. Let me come on now to the Shannon thing, because this comes up all of the time. 1955, we joined the United Nations. Part of being a member of the United Nations is to provide uh, services for uh, conflicts around the world. And one of those services is landing in Shannon to refuel planes. The only time Shannon was uh, slightly outside uh, the United Nations chapter, which which mandates us to actually provide services was the first Gulf War. That was not sanctioned by the United Nations. But everything since has been sanctioned by the United Nations. And we are obliged to provide uh, landing for United Nations people. I I have to stop you there, right? Okay. Because that, and I, I don't think you would do this, but let's just clarify if you are doing it. The war in Iraq was a criminal war based on a pack of lies, as we know, about the weapons of mass destruction. Nearly a million Iraqis, hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians 
died as a result of that pack of lies. And a key part of the American uh, military operation in Iraq was sending two million troops through Shannon Airport. I believe we should not have facilitated that. I'm not that bothered about, was there some spurious uh, sort of legal justification given? No, it's given, not spurious, Richard. Right? It's there, you know, in, yeah. the, in the chapters. We're obliged so to does do that it. make the war in Iraq okay and the uh, fact that we sent allowed troops go through the, Shannon to commit it? The, the, the United Nations sanctioned uh, everything well, that happened in yeah. Iraq the uni- after the first the United Gulf War, okay, well, and the yeah. the issues in Afghanistan. So look, I mean, the United Nations becomes, made a big mistake in doing that. Just like they made a big mistake partitioning Palestine. Look at the mess yeah. that caused. Yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we we've got, we've got to live up to the obligations we have as a state, and it, it is very easy to stand on top of the hill and say, no, we can't have troops flying into Shannon. We have obligations as part and as a member but of the United Jared, Nations. Can, can we not meet some of those obligations and obligations to our own citizens without changing any of this, without changing our position on neutrality or the triple lock or anything else? And what I'm talking about is the state investing in the defence forces and investing investing in, in infrastructure. So we were offered two used aircraft about six months before the evacuation in Kabul and they would have got our troops over to Kabul and got our citizens home and we turned down that opportunity. We dithered so long about actually ordering a plane that we're at the back of a Airbus queue in Spain and we're not going to get anything until about 2025 or 2026. Yeah, look, I mean, where, where the two aircraft we were offered um, uh, are concerned, uh, I'm reliably informed that they would have required a substantial upgrade in order to bring them into service for what we wanted them for. I have to take the advice I've been given on that. I'm the first person to agree with you. We have totally and utterly uh, underfunded our defence forces for so long now at this stage. We are completely defenceless. We can't even watch the sea we're responsible for. We have no idea what's going on in the air above us. And at the end of the day, going back to Richard's point of neutrality, we should be able to defend our own sky, to be able to patrol our own sea, and we should have the resources there to do it. And you're right. Finnefall and Finnegal over the years, and Labour, they were all part of, of, of mixed governments. Over the years, they have disinvested in the defence forces to the point where it is almost un- collapse. Yeah, the, and the biggest part of that, the biggest part of that is the failure to pay and this, uh, on this myself and Jared would agree is to pay decent wages and give decent conditions to uh, defence force yeah. personnel and therefore they don't even have the people to man the ships. Uh, Do you agree so, with the second, third and fourth part though, which is after you you pay soldiers and uh, are uh, people in the Navy and the Air Corps, you pay them enough money that they d- you then invest in primary radar and you invest in planes and you invest in infrastructure so that we can defend our neutrality. Uh, the best defence... Well, I, I'm certainly in favour, for example, of us having the strategic airlift capacity to, to rescue people from difficult situations, right? I'm for all that. Uh, and stuff that actually protects the defence forces pers- personnel when they're doing legitimate peacekeeping operations. What I am absolutely 100% against mm. is actually making us a bigger target for and our soldiers around the world by 
compromising our neutrality because I can tell you the best protection it's not the, it's not the only protection but the best protection Irish troops around the world have is the reputation of Ireland as a neutral country well, that no, is the uh, best Richard, defense. We, we, we have countries that are neutral and countries that are not neutral working throughout the world in peacekeeping and none of them are any better or any worse than we are what what we have done today is we reputation. have sent 12 people 12 of our special forces because of the triple lock they thought this morning we'll send 12 would you agree maybe it's time to review the triple lock let's keep the triple lock but let's increase the number to 100 so as if we are sending people overseas to rescue no. 150 no, because we don't, as you rightly said we don't for humanitarian missions we do not need the triple lock we don't need that mechanism but you see I think we also have to fill out the picture and I, I think obviously we should rescue people who are in a difficult situation in Sudan I think we should also remind ourselves that the European Union uh, armed gave the money to the militias that are now killing Sudanese people and killing and threatening Europeans. Let's not forget that. The absolutely disgraceful role of the European Union in pumping millions into the hands of Bashir and Hemti, who are now the Janjaweed or what called the RSF, uh, absolute murderous militias. The European Union funded them in order for them to provide the service of stopping people getting out of Sudan. That's what. Uh, well, that's where these militias well, we, came we from. We started with Gerard, so we'll finish with Richard. I think we'll all be in agreement anyway. It is frightening the scenes uh, from Sudan. Uh, it's like that old line, you know, countries, I suppose, like armies, they kind of collapse slowly at first and then all of a sudden, uh, and we'll have to see anyway how. Uh, things pan out over the coming days Richard Boyd Barrett People for Profit TD Jared Crockwell Independent a Senator Gentlemen thank you both very much for joining me The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from 4 on News Talk.